Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of November 10th, what is usually kind of the, the week that wraps everything up with the uh, World Finals in Charlotte finishing up this past week, but not the case uh, this week as we're actually heading into another big week of racing. Uh, as always, I'm Joshua Joyner, DirtOnDirt.com staff writer here with the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff. Uh, Todd Turner, Kevin Kovac, and Robert Holman to discuss all the big news, notes, and notable topics, and of course results from Dirt Late Model Racing. This week we're talking about the dirt track at Charlotte. In I'm see if I can get this correct. NGK, NTK, World Finals at Charlotte, which uh, saw Jonathan Davenport sweep, uh, become the second driver joining Jimmy Owens, who did it in 2012 to sweep the late model portion of the World Finals. Myself and Kevin uh, were there covering it. Uh, this past weekend, Robert and Todd were helping uh, with assist remotely from home. Uh, but it was a, a big weekend in Charlotte after last year. Uh, of course, the World Finals didn't take place due to COVID restrictions. It was uh, subbed out for the last call event, but it was good to be back in Charlotte. A big crowd. Car counts were down a little bit, but a big crowd there. Kevin, overall, uh, say a pretty good weekend uh, in Charlotte, despite the cool weather, uh, as usual, for the World Finals. Yeah, it got a little chilly this uh, this weekend. Uh, you usually expect that. I like it's it's been such a warm October, and then we get to Charlotte, and man, it's uh, temperatures go down. It was even I felt like even colder on Saturday than Friday with the uh, with the wind blowing a little bit more. Um, yeah, long days, that's for sure. I mean, there's a lot of racing that goes on, even with lower uh, some smaller car counts with the uh, uh, late models, uh, you know, being down uh, about 20 cars, more than 20 cars from the average uh, that the World Finals gets. Um, <clears throat> that made it a uh, uh, you know, it, that helped let two less heat races that had to be run and one less B main. So that was, uh, uh, that was good for uh, considering that with the cold weather. And, uh, so they, and they started earlier on Saturday also one o'clock in the afternoon. And that was nice that it was ended by, uh, you know, a little bit after eight o'clock, I believe it was, uh, um, instead of pushing right up to 11, man, the sprint cars start flipping during the world finals, uh, that could really make for a long night. So luckily we only had a couple of them and, uh, everything kind of went pretty smooth, really. Yeah, I was going to say they did have a couple of sprint car wrecks. I think they had three cars slip in one wreck at one point in the feature, but still, despite that, managed to, uh, I, I think everything was done. And I was back at the hotel well before 10 o'clock, which is rare. So uh, that was that was really nice. I'm wondering with the with the changes as far as a little bit lower car count, uh, obviously, as we mentioned at the, at the track, it was nice because, you know, we're, well, it's two less heat races, one less be main to have to uh, get through in the program. But for you guys, uh, Todd, I'll start with you. Did, any, any, did it feel any different with the time changes and, and moving it up? Uh, and also the maybe a little less cars there as far as the storylines coming out and the way it was perceived at home for those not in person. Todd, did it, did it still kind of have the same feel as you're kind of watching along there? I, I guess not. I, I've, I'm used to, you know, they them kind of rolling with the weather and having long programs or maybe change, shifting it or whatever. And that, it seemed like that was the, a good idea to get that thing going Saturday and get, um, you know, you'd certainly have hated to, to run into weather uh, Saturday night. And as it turned out, I guess it wasn't that big a deal, but it was nice to nice to get that over. Um, uh, you know, it's a little bit different, I guess, with fewer cars. I mean, we discussed this a little bit in fast talk, but, you know, uh, this could be one of those races that's taking, uh, um, uh, that takes a little bit of a hit from so much more racing. As you mentioned, Joshua, in, in many ways, this used to be kind of like the, the last hurrah, especially if we're kind of the northern guys that would come down to that uh to to that race and now uh you know there's multiple factors but i think that's one 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 part of it is that uh you know with other races more races going on uh before and after um you know if you don't get the perfect weather and everything doesn't fall just right 
you know, maybe you're not going to hit that average car count, uh, which is, you know, for all all races over the last 10 years, it's probably one of the healthiest car counts uh, consistently there at Charlotte. Yeah, and I, I definitely want to get to Davenport winning and some of the other storylines, but Todd, since you kind of brought it up about comparing it to the old car counts, uh, Kevin, if you could jump in real quick and remind us what, because I know you looked this up and had some statistics on it, um, how much did we de deviate from the usual uh, World Finals car count uh, this weekend? Yeah, it's 48 cars, so that's uh, way off of the 75, just over 75 cars is the average for the 13 previous World Finals. I mean, there were 55 and 50 last year for that last call. Um, uh, program that they had this a two-day doubleheader it was a Wednesday and Thursday so you could kind of compare it a little bit but it's obviously it's not the same it's a single division show and it wasn't uh you know it didn't have the big uh, excitement of a huge crowd uh that obviously must has to be a be a factor in drawing some guys teams in because they want to be part of such a big show uh but you know being down there there's been as many as 86 cars in, in this in a, that was the high car count of all time and as low as 66 it really hasn't deviated that much i said 75 cars is the average so it's very stable and strong car counts all the year and and i, I just sort of uh, thought when I mean, we would talk a lot of people were asking during the what do you think about the car count and and I, and I really kind of attribute a little bit, just a little bit maybe with the tires, you know, like maybe some guys wanted to save their tires because of the tire shortage or tire supply problems. But uh, I thought it was like, a, like Todd mentioned, a lot of more big races. And I mean, there, there usually isn't a $50,000 to win, one $50,000 to win, let alone two of them the week after the world finals. This is usually the biggest one. And, and also this purse hasn't gone up since 2013. It's still $12,000 to win the late models. And, uh, that's a, I mean, that's a, it's, you see all these other races paying twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to win now, $50,000 all over the place. And, and this race is, has arguably one of the biggest uh, crowds of this, of the year, best attended races of the year. And it hasn't gone up. So it, it doesn't, it may, it might not, doesn't feel as big other than the size of the crowd as it normally, as other races now. Like, so I think it, I think that's what the, I think the world racing group and Charlotte motor speedway are looking at that though, as they go to four eight four uh, nights next year. And, and I, I think there will be some, uh, purse boost next year to, to kind of, uh, give it a little bit more, uh, more, uh, magnitude. Yeah. And, uh, since we got on that topic, I'm just kind of letting this thing roll wherever we go with the topics today as far as Charlotte. But since you brought it up, Kevin, uh, they are expanding the schedule to, uh, four total nights at, uh, Charlotte next year at the world finals, uh, slim on the details of what that'll look like, uh, uh, as far as payouts and exactly on the format, but I'm, I'm Robert, I'm let you jump in on, on this since you hadn't had a chance to talk yet. What, what do you think from that standpoint, as far as, as we're talking about the different feel we had, uh, this week with the car counts and, and some other things changing, um, how do you think that affects the world finals, uh, as we look ahead already looking ahead a little bit to next year? You know, before I pass judgment um I, I really would like to know more details uh you know I, i'd like to know if it's how much more it's going to pay how much more we're going to have to race that sort of thing uh of course i've already said mentioned in fast talk that i'm completely against adding a day uh, so that's already out there uh i'm not going to take that back or retract that because i am against against adding a day um, but before I, I say that it's good or bad, I mean, it could be a great thing. I mean, just because I'm against it doesn't mean it's not a great thing. It could be, it could be great. It could be, you know, 
a lot more money uh, and not much more racing. It could be, you know, they could tweak the format. Um, you know, who's to say what their, you know, World Racing Group, you, you know, is always coming up with, with unique and different things. So who's to say that this isn't going to be a much better product? Uh, you know, so I'm not just because I'm against an extra day doesn't mean that it won't be a great, still be a great, a great thing. Um, you know, let's just hope that there's a little bit, not quite, not necessarily more racing, but just, but just different racing. You know, they kind of tweak the format and, and get, uh, and just make it a better product. So, you know, it's, it's very possible. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, obviously not against spending four days at a racetrack unless I'm in Florida, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think and what worries me about it, and I said as soon as I heard the news that there, you know, there was rumblings about it there in the media tent before they officially announced it, my first thought is, well, good luck getting your car count back up. Like That's just going to make it that much harder for guys to go, especially regional guys and, and guys traveling you know, not quite on that national level who are tra- you know usually travel down there for uh, you know a big weekend at Charlotte to, to end the year. Now you're just making it that much harder for them to make the trip, especially when they're comparing it, you know, who knows what the schedule will look like next year, but you're comparing it to a weekend, the following weekend at Sonoya where you only have to be down there two nights and race for better money, um, or at least winners pay, the payouts on back, we can, you know, can argue, but, uh, or debate that there's differences there, but um, yeah, it's just gonna, I, I don't know if I'm a big fan of that, but like you said, they may make it that much more interesting with the format and, uh, you know, and, and sometimes, it's, as we've said before, it's not always about the car count. It's more about the, you know, the spectacle of it and, and the fans are coming. So that's that's always a good thing. Uh, speaking of the spectacle of it, Jonathan Davenport kind of um, kept the spectacle, I guess, down a little bit with his dominant performances in the second half of both features uh, on Friday night. And then again on Saturday, of course, he what I liked about it, and I mentioned this in Fast August, he at least had to work for it uh, coming from fourth on on friday i believe and really kind of having to do it late like he didn't get off to a real good start in the feature there and kind of had to he had to pass uh, uh pass you guys to get up there get by brandon shepherd before kind of pulling away with it uh on saturday of course he um he he did get going early got to second pretty quickly and then had a, a nice back and forth battle with um i'm gonna ask you all this if, if you if you've heard uh the, the, have any of us not heard of garrett smith before this weekend anybody Everyone, I did no, see. Okay. I saw I was, him. Yeah, early one time. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Dude, well, I, I had seen him race at uh, Southern Nationals. Actually, yeah, I was going to so. say the only time I, yeah, I Southern really, Nationals. I, that's <clears throat> I was going to say. I'm not. I will imagine there were a few people of our listeners who said who whenever they saw his his name. But I will say that was uh, if he'd have won that, and I thought for a minute he was going to. That would have been a, a pretty big upset. Um, for the the 18 year old Garrett Smith from Georgia, uh, really had a kind of a coming out party there. Um, at Charlotte with a, uh, like I said, he passed not uh, he passed both Brandon Shepard and J- Jonathan Davenport for the lead at the Charlotte World Finals, which I think is a pretty big deal. Of course, he didn't hold on to win it, um, but still a, a great performance him. Let's start with uh, talk a little bit about Davenport, uh, Kevin. From from your perspective, you know, it's unfortunate he's having. I don't say it's unfortunate. Any any time you can have a great year as he's had is is great. But um, you know, the debate over driver of the year. I don't think this puts him in uh, Brandon Shepard realm, although he did take over the number one spot in the uh, dirt on dirt.com top 25 poll. 
uh, presented by Kaiser Manufacturing. That's weekly, though. That doesn't mean he's driver of the year, even if he ends the year at that on, on top there. Um, but just where does this put his year uh, sweeping the world finals and kind of kind of, you know, how does he stack up now? And, and uh, maybe even comparing it to his previous season, it's got to be a good year for him, I, w- I would imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it's. It's amazing, too. I mean, I just looked back at last year. He had five wins. I mean, Jonathan Davenport won five races. That's it. Last year. And $83,000 he got in those three, uh, those five wins. And this year he's up over 416, I think it is, uh, that he's won $416,000 for 26 wins. I mean, that's one heck of a rebound right there. And it's not, he'd even say it. It's not 2015. He, He hasn't gone on that crown jewel kind of, uh, outburst that he had that year. But man, still, I mean, he's really impressive, and he doesn't have a championship. Also, let's remember that he didn't. He's not winning the. Uh, he did not win the Lucas Oil Championship, so that puts uh puts this down a little bit below uh, what he did in 2015. But but um with with 26 wins and some big ones too, won USA Nationals and and he's re- this sweep is a pretty big deal when you do it at the World Finals. He he swept four double headers this year at, at single tracks. Did it Batesville, uh, West Virginia Motor, uh, and Magnolia. I mean that, that's. Uh, to to sweep uh, double headers anymore, uh, and on you know pretty big stages is is pretty impressive. Uh, you know not everybody's doing that. Um, you got to get on a hot streak. Uh, you got to be a hot uh, you know hot streak driver to you know uh, to heat up like that. And uh, he it, it does rank good, but it's not as good as Brandon Overton's. I mean Overton's more than two hundred thousand dollars, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, I guess, just in first place uh money and you can't i mean when you that, that almost clinched it when he won the he swept the dream i mean that's how, how do you defeat that there's nothing that uh almost that really that davenport could do to to other than short of winning every crown jewel race for a month or something that could defeat that but uh still great season for jonathan i mean and and, and he's finishing off super strong here he, he brought out uh not a new car but right in the beginning of october uh they took their uh, longhorn car to to Jonathan shop while their crew, while crew chief Jason Durham was still under the weather there when recovering from COVID kind of just reworked the whole thing, you know, put new parts on it, everything. And since then they've got five wins and a second and a third and seven starts. So I think that that's pretty good. And I mean, maybe you should run it this weekend at Las Vegas to go over $50,000. I'm not sure. I think they were probably, they were possibly leaning toward running their newer car, but uh, man, the one that they got going right now is, is really on a roll. And, Maybe they should do that and add a fifty thousand dollar win uh, uh, to the to the resume this year before the season's ending. Yeah, I, I'd be hard not to run that that same car with the way he was running there. And uh, uh, Robert, I'll ask you kind of the same question. There, but we'll tweak on where where does sweeping the World Finals rank? And we we talked a little bit about even Davenport mentioned in his victory lane speech about how um, or interview about how how big it was, you know the, the event is and it was winning there but even kind of downplayed it a little bit because of the payout but where does it rank uh, as far as comparing it to crown jewel wins or or maybe winning a, a national title to sweep the world finals where do you think that stacks up I think that uh, you know it's obviously for me personally it's obviously it's up there but it's because of the stage uh, it's definitely not the pay uh, and because it's also the the last uh, series, you know, World of Outlaws race of the year. I th- you know, it's almost like we start the year, you know, in Florida with with kind of the sports Super Bowl, but they kind of build this last race, this last weekend as their their spectacle, their Super Bowl to a degree. And I think that it that it um, it's 
ranks high up there simply because of of the spectacle and the crowd and and where it's at it's in it's in charlotte you know the hub of motor racing you know and the, the queen city uh for not only you know north carolina but for for auto racing in general so i think it ranks up there obviously it's not a crown jewel race um even despite how long it's been going on the pay is not there and i don't want to get into a crown jewel debate but it's obviously not a crown jewel but i think as a driver if you can go in there and sweep that event a lot of times we think okay who won who won the world finals and we kind of think back and we'll remember one one driver of the two maybe because of an event one of those races stood out more than the other but to sweep it you literally put a stamp on on it as, as far as I was the best this weekend. I didn't win just one of them and then run eighth. And, and you know, what if he had won the first one and finished ninth in the second one? Would we be talking about him that much, really? Who would we be talking about? I don't I don't know. So, you know, he he swept them. And it's only been done once before, you know, like you mentioned with uh, uh, with Jimmy Owens. So I think that to do that is really – it. Pretty, when you look at his wins and what he did on the season, it has to rank really, really high. As far as his career resume, uh, I don't know. I think we could maybe break that down and maybe debate that further. But as far as this particular season goes, it's got to rank up there very, very high. You know, it, it's not always a, a bad thing to have a driver sweep an event. You know, we don't we hate to see those drivers like, you know, like a Bobby Pierce or or, or a, a Brian Shirley go on these rolls and win seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve of the of the summer nationals races. You know, because it kind of kind of gets boring. You know, but to see a guy go in and sweep a weekend is not necessarily a, a bad thing. It's it's you know because it's very difficult to do, and and it's kind of uh, it gives you something. A little more a little bit extra to write about you know kind of delve into how he was able to do it or you know if they've if they've got anything special going you know i mean it's just uh and like kevin said you kind of got to be on a little hot streak going in so you know i I think that you know like i said sweeping the weekend is not a bad thing uh in terms of the way the way you know we kind of perceive it necessarily and, and as far as boring or whatever it's pretty exciting to see a guy do that and i would say it ranks up there pretty high on on his list this season uh i'm not i'm not sure about career wise i think he'll look back and and it'll be up there but not really with his uh, with his other victories it's not going to be as far as as high up there as as you may think yeah definitely I would imagine he was uh, pretty pretty happy with it, to say the least, or at least he seemed to be. Um, you know, definitely a great way to, well, I'll say cap the year because he might do even better uh, this weekend in, in Vegas, but still a great, great way, a great big, uh, good accomplishment toward the end of the season here for the offseason. Todd, what, um, you know, what the other storylines coming out of Charlotte, anything jump out to you uh, particularly um, uh, notable um, uh, from the weekend? I mean, I guess, you know, Kevin wrote those two sidebars about the guys that were kind of most notable kind of surprises, I guess. Austin Kirkpatrick running, running really so well that first night until a flat tire. And then and then Garrett Smith, who, who yeah, I'd seen him on the Southern Nationals, and I knew he had good equipment, and 
and he appeared capable, but when I saw him, he didn't do much. Uh, so yeah, I was surprised, and I think whether you heard of him or not, you were probably surprised. And um, yeah, I think that would have if he would have won the other night, Saturday's race. I mean, I would rank that among the top World of Outlaws upsets of all time. I mean, it would have been it would have been up there. I mean, there's a list of you know, a handful of guys you look at their winners list and you're like wow that was you know that turned out to be a really surprise victory um and i think at his age and his status right now that would have been something else um you know we're talk, talking about to get back a little bit what y'all were talking about about the word of this puts davenport season and such one, one thing i can't get away from and kevin alluded to this is how how do you pull out brandon overton's dream sweep and then compare everything to that i mean if he would have won one of those races instead of four or two instead of four or three instead of four, but that he won all four is just like, it's hard to imagine that anybody else could have been driver of the year. Um, and I know we're getting down to the, the end of the season. So yeah, when Davenport swept, you know, you're kind of like, Hey, does this make me look at this any different about who had the best season? And I think Overton is still up there, but not that Davenport would have done it, but if Davenport would have swept the dream, I mean, then it's a whole different ball game, or or if it would have been split among four drivers or whatever. Anyway, it's always interesting, and you really kind of got to dig back through the numbers and stats and go to some head-to-head stuff on some of that if if it does get close. And I don't think it particularly is because that Overton's dream is just like it is just the elephant in the room, and you can't get around it. Um, anyway, that's that's interesting to me. To, as we get down toward these, um, you know, even watching Davenport sweep the world finals, you know, about if that changes the conversation at all. Yeah, I, I think, um, I think Kevin, you even kind of said this, that, I, that, that, uh, Overton winning, sweeping the double dreams basically sewed it up. Like he, it was going to be hard for anyone really. I mean, that's such an historic accomplishment and financially it was a big boost, uh, for, you know, his, his winnings, which is a lot of what it's based on is who's won the most money. And, uh, in first place. And then if you can look at overall winnings, but, uh, I think, yeah, I think that pretty much, I don't say it ended the conversation, but it made it, uh, made it difficult for anyone to overcome that as far as driver of the year goes. And, uh, kind of to your point, Todd, if, if you switch that up and if, if Overton doesn't have that, it's probably a, it might be in Davenport's favor, the conversation, uh, on driver of the year, but, um, yeah, well, we don't want to spoil it too much when the driver, the final year end awards start coming out, uh, here soon, but I think everyone can kind of tell where we're leaning toward. Uh, Robert, do you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, you know, getting back to to Garrett Smith, you know, I saw him also for three or four nights with uh, with Ray Ray Cook's series this summer, and he was just mediocre at best. You know, he finished sixth, I think, on that tour. Uh, you know, I just I just don't think that uh, you know he just didn't stand out. He stood. He he seemed like a a guy who was like Todd said, capable, uh, but he just, you know, he was just kind of there. So, you know, have we considered how much the addition after that, I guess, of, of Cody Mallory has, has helped his program, you know, that, that guy love him or, or hate him or, you know, with all his faults, he brings a lot of knowledge, you know, to the program. So I'm not sure if we've, if we've thought enough about, you know, how much uh, Cody Mallory has meant to Garrett Smith's program, you know, right now. 
Yeah, that's um, that's something that kind of flew under the radar. Uh, Cody Mallory, Mallory was is is crewing is pick uh, crew chiefing for Garrett Smith and his his team there, and uh, has been since uh, to, I think I believe Garrett said um, before the Lucas Old doubleheader at Dixie in Rome, uh, where Smith missed the show at Dixie, but I think he ended up 14th at Rome, and then of course came to the World Finals and his first trip to Charlotte, first World Outlaws races, makes both shows and have a good show on Saturday. Kevin, do you have something you wanted to add there? Yeah, just one other thing about the World Finals. Let's not forget this was uh, the clincher, you know, the, the celebration time for Brandon Shepard winning his third straight uh, World of Outlaws title, uh, fourth in the last five years. It kind of got lost in the mix a little bit, you know, because Davenport swept the weekend and uh, it, there was no points drama. Uh, he Shepard had this locked up just, just getting there. Uh, but still, three wins, three championships in a row on a national tour, four out of five. I mean, that's a... That's a heck of a run for Shepard and the Rocket team. They, Of course, they didn't have as good of a – as strong of a year as they normally have. But I, I think, like, uh, I mean, talking to everybody on that crew and and other people in the pits, they're like, I mean, if if this is the kind of year that, uh, you know, that's going to be an off year, if you're going to consider this your off year, I mean, I think 95% of the people, teams in the pit area would take that off year every year, you know? I mean, that's just how high they've gotten the bar now with all – all the wins he never went on a big streak but he was basically in the top five just about every night top three most of the time too and just just lacked that little bit and and uh and kind of you could equate this though to a little bit maybe back in well, 2015 uh you know when Davenport had his giant year and and uh Josh Richards with was with Rocket Chassis House Car then they didn't have the greatest year and what did that result in that resulted in Mark Richards and the Rocket a gang going to work, building an XR1 rocket car, and and uh, and, and getting back up on top for the next like five years here. So I have imagined that uh, Mark Richards and company there will be, uh, you know, looking for that little extra that they they've been missing this year, just that little uh, extra speed. And and I wouldn't doubt that they'll be getting back. I mean, the track record says they usually uh, that that rocket camp usually gets it back on top. Yeah, I'm sure they will spend and, and probably already are uh, spending some time, uh, you know, revamping and and making improvements, and and will definitely be spending time over the off season finding that that little bit they're they're missing because it's it's unusual that you see uh, Brandon Shepard, the Rocket Chassis House Car, um, either one, but especially that combination, be in the lead at both World Finals features and not you know end up winning it. And I think the same thing happened you know, at the Dream led the uh, first half of it there or a lot of the first half and slip back at one of the, one of the, I think the first stream feature, I believe it was. Um, so that, that's not as uncharacteristic of them, but as you said, Kevin, I'm sure a lot of guys would like to have, uh, would, would call that a great season. Um, and would like to have that as be their down year if, if you would. So, uh, yeah, so, so it was definitely a eventful weekend, eventful weekend as the world of outlaws wrapped up their season there and Brandon Shepard, uh, officially wrapped up although they already clinched the, the, the championship. Uh, it was also very cold over the weekend as Kevin and I, um, experienced. And, uh, and we kind of talked about this in fast talk, um, this week, uh, about, um, you know, how to keep warm at races, but I thought it'd be a, a good, um, good, uh, it w- would be fitting here as, as we're coming off a cold weekend and going into a few more late season events and looking ahead to next year where we're going to, you know, folks be going to go to go into the races, um, uh, and during the cold weather, what, uh, what you guys do to keep warm when you're at the races, when it's cold, and perhaps you can share a, a memory of perhaps what you would call, you know, the coldest you've ever been at a racetrack or, or a couple of cold race memories uh, that you had to suffer through. Uh, Todd, I'll start with you. you. Got anything that jumps out to you? 
I mean, the coldest I remember. And actually, actually, I ended up doing pretty good with, I guess, what I wore. But it was one of those ice bowls where, I mean, it was almost canceled because of the cold. That's how cold it was. I can't remember what the temperatures were. But luckily, the sun was out on, like, the feature day. But it was still in the, it was below 20. And maybe it had gotten down toward toward zero sometime during the weekend it was it was terrible but I, I i do i just remember putting so many clothes on that i was like uh you know my arms are sticking out and i can't move and i can't write i can't and it, anytime i needed to do anything i had to like you know take off a take off something or whatever it, it was bad the, the only good thing is i was prepared for it i knew it was going to be terrible Maybe the worst times are when it gets cold unexpectedly or colder than you expect and you're not prepared for it. Um, all, all you guys are much more, you know, I'm, I'm like an old school dresser. I'm not I'm not cool with all the uh, Under Armour stuff. I was kind of late coming to that stuff. I, th I thought it was all marketing hype. I didn't really buy in. But now that I've gotten some of that kind of stuff, I, I get that. That that really can make a difference uh, if you have some of those uh, layered layered stuff, and I don't even know what you call all that fancy pants stuff. But anyway, that's what I would go with uh, if I was trying to stay warm uh, these days. And really, it's you know, stay. You gotta you gotta go inside sometimes, or you're gonna. I do remember some of those races years ago. Just just being outside the entire time and you're just in the pits and you're just, oh, it's just miserable. But anyway, we could solve that by racing when it's warmer, but, you know, I hate to make a reasonable <laughs> suggestion here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's going to um, gonna gonna change uh, cold weather racing the way, the way it looks is here to stay. Um, we have to figure out a way to deal with it. I will say the uh, my combination, I, and I'm from Florida where, you know, I'd, I'd hate cold weather and I'm, definitely soft when it comes to cold weather and so uh, i always pack as uh, as i mentioned in fast talk multiple layers make sure i have them you know with me in case i need to add, add some extras but the way to go is uh the thick under armor as your base layer and then the older uh old school uh like, like I, I call them long johns like the thermals whatever that are a little bit looser on top of the under armor like that's the way to go i think and then you can you know go with your your, your layers on top of that jeans pants whatever jacket parka whatever you need but um i'll add the the you kind of mentioned it um when you said you got to go inside at some point i'll say the coldest i've ever been and i remember i actually looked it up um uh, as before we were getting getting ready it was the 2012 winter free or is it winter freeze at screven they call that i believe it wasn't uh kevin you may have been there i was there for dirt on dirt so you may have been there for the outlaws it was i looked it up it got down to 23 degrees and in, in the south here we have that that wet cold where not only is it cold but everything just feels kind of kind of damp too um and if you've ever been to screven there's nowhere to go inside there's literally you have a press box that is the size of a you know you hunters out there appreciate a a, a shooting house like it is i don't even know it's, it's smaller my bedroom's twice as big as it um and i just remember that there was i don't think you could have fit one more single person in that press box everyone had who had any you know relatively close to any reason to be there was there was in there because they had that little heater and i was just worried i was i was just worried it was about to fall there were so many people in there but um but that was uh i don't remember a whole lot about that event other than that i froze froze my butt off uh being there and i did like most everyone else that was there try to cram into the the press box to, to keep warm uh kevin were, were you at that one do you, does that one do you remember that one Oh yeah, I was the outlaws then. I was uh, I was totally gonna just mention that event because I had to kind of was just kind of look what year was that? I think it was 2012 or 13. I couldn't remember exactly, but man, it it was 
I was with Tim Chrisman, uh, the series director at that point uh, of the Outlaws. And when we got there, I remember Chrisman going up to the uh, promoter at Screven, who was Red Red uh, Red Griffin, you know, big old Red. I mean, he's a big, big dude, you know. He's uh, he's wearing – it's already cold in the afternoon. I mean, and it was windy. I mean, it's 25, 30-mile-per-hour winds, I think. You walk up to – Walk up to to Red, who I think was still wearing a, a T-shirt. That's all he had. I don't remember him having even a jacket on. But Chrisman said to him, "Man, Red, oh man, sorry about the sorry sorry about the weather this weekend for you, you know." And Red's like, "What? What are you talking about? What you do? Well, you know?" And like Tim's like, oh, "Haven't you looked at it? It's gonna be freezing this weekend. Man, it's terrible. It's gonna be like below freezing." And he's like, "Get out of here, really? I didn't even look at the weather." He said, "You know, like Red was funny. I, I mean, he was so busy making, I guess, his." food for his good concession stand and we're doing the track and he never even knew that it was i mean christman was like oh my god this our red is really you know i mean he he has no idea and and then we get ready to go start racing that night i think the sprint cars all-star sprints were there or was it was a, just a regular sprint car. i remember tony stewart was there running a sprint car too that first night it was i mean like all right well we'll get going down early here well at least at least if we get moving here like at the schedule i think it was probably six o'clock start time well, right at about that time, I, I'm pretty sure Red went out there and gave it one last douse of water to that racetrack. And, oh, man, it became – you would have thought it rained out there because it, it was literally until – we. I remember sitting in the hall or probably another two hours, two and a half hours before that track was ready to go. And, I mean, that's a point where you probably were like – we were hoping the race would be over by then. And here we're not even starting hot laps because uh, we had to get the track back running and and – and I and I do go. I did go into that tower, that little little tiny building, which was not. I mean, it, it might have. It, it probably had to be over capacity. And I was in that corner, like I, I I couldn't even see the racetrack. I don't think. I mean, I was just like in the corner. I'm like, I don't care. I'm not backwards. Uh, uh, it does not matter because this is at least staying a little bit warmer than being outside. And, uh, and I remember, I think like Kenny Schrader was in there too. I mean, he got his, he got his butt in there too. He wasn't going to sit outside and, and he was like pushed up. I mean, I, he looked like he was about ready. He looked like he'd been to the North pole. He was freezing. He was shaking. And, uh, I mean, everybody was like that. And there were, there was actually, there was frost on the inside of the racetrack in victory lane when you walked away like that like that that water like that moisture had frozen and and our one of our in our video guy too i remember see a lot i remember a lot of things from this race i remember, I remember more things about being cold than i do about a race sometimes but or we had our guy will gigas was our video guy and i think he wore shorts i'm, I'm not going to be the entire time and his legs were probably nearly frostbitten by the end of that day i'm like i like, i don't even know how he was able to walk after uh, finishing that, like shooting that entire night. So uh, definitely a memorable night. I mean, I've been to a lot of cold races. I, I grew up going to Super Dirt Week at Syracuse in October. And man, there was snow in the morning sometimes up there. But uh, that Screven one, I mean, I mean, I was a cold one. It seems like all the Southern races, I, that's uh, the coldest race this year was down at uh, Ocala for the Lucas Oil race in, in February. Man, I was freezing at that one. Uh, and so in, 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 say in Florida, you go south, it seems like they're even colder than sometimes in the north. Maybe it just seems that way. But, man, there's been some cold ones. Screvin tops it. Yeah, yeah. People think Florida is always nice and sunny and warm, but you know, as, as a native Floridian, it, it, we do get a little, a little bit of cold weather every now and then. But the good part is, if it's gonna, if it's 
freezing cold down here and really cold is usually the next couple of days you can expect it to warm up and at some point you're going to have 70 uh, sunny and 70 at some point to, to to warm you back up um but yeah that was that was a memorable experience uh for sure robert what about you you got any uh, cold weather experiences to share well probably the probably the coldest that i've ever been was in uh 2001 at uh, the shamrock at cleveland uh, I think it was like March 17th. Uh, and it, I think Dan Sleeper won that race, but it just got so cold. And like Todd had mentioned, that's one of, that's kind of before we really started going into press boxes and stuff. And I stood, I remember standing out and, and I guess turns three and four shooting that race, you know, taking pictures and my, I couldn't feel my hands. I mean, my, my, both hands are just numb. And, and I just, I've never, I've never wanted to leave a racetrack so bad in my entire life. I just wanted to go get warm and leave. I just, I honestly never wanted to go back to Cleveland in my, and it's Cleveland, Tennessee, not Cleveland, Ohio. I've never wanted to go back to Cleveland, Tennessee in my entire life because of that experience. I mean, I was completely miserable and I mean, it, it was just, it was terrible, uh, you know, and, and so that that's probably as far as me covering a race, the the worst that, it, that it's ever been. I think it was probably down in, um, I guess, mid-30s that night, and, you know, it's in the south, so nobody gets in a hurry, doesn't matter what time, you know, the race starts or what time it ends, you know, who cares, and, and Kevin, Kevin is correct in terms of of it seems like all of our memories of these cold nights are in the south. I mean, uh, obviously that has a lot to do with the time of time of year that they race. But for Pete's sakes, you know, it's 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 cold, and yet we're like, oh, let's just go go race. But anyway, the gobbler. I don't I don't know if that was a Southern All Star race. And no, I'm not the gobbler. I'm sorry. The the uh, uh, Shamrock. I can't remember if it was a Southern All Star race or not. But man, it was it was cold and probably. Prior to that, you know, I used to sell parts for my stepdad, and uh, and I would go to this little track, uh, I'd go to Thunder Hill uh, here in in, in middle, southern Middle Tennessee, and this was like May. It wasn't even it was April or May, and I'd been to Atlanta to pick up uh, a truckload of of racing tires, and it was warm during the day. You know, I come back from Atlanta. I usually used to leave about 3 a.m. and drive to Atlanta, pick up a load of tires, come back, and we'd sort and separate them and put them on a couple different trucks and go to the races. Well, I get back around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's warm. You know, it's it's May. It felt nice. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm short sleeve shirt, you know. I'm separating stuff. I'm, I jump in my truck and leave. Well, I get to Thunder Hill, and I don't have a coat. I don't have a jacket at all because i wasn't thinking about it when i hauled out of the shop you know and man i was freaking freezing i remember i was just looking for shelter in any place i could find it and over there that weekend for some reason there was a a hoosier truck was selling a there's an apparel vendor there selling all this hoosier stuff and I'm like, I can't take it anymore. So I'd sold quite a bit of stuff. You know, I'd sold several tires, delivered fuel and stuff to people that had ordered it or whatnot. So I go to this apparel trailer 
and I'm looking at stuff, you know, and, you know, keep in mind, I was 18, 18 years old, 19 years old, and I'm looking at this stuff. How much is this? Oh, $60 for that sweatshirt. No, I, was, I, I wound up buying a jacket for like $85 that night just because I was so freaking cold. I basically killed all of our profit probably. By the time, you know, I paid to get in and the fuel and I buy the jacket, we probably didn't make a dime, but I would, man, I, I was cold. And ever since then, and, and this is not a, a, this is true. I'll never leave to go to a racetrack. I do not care what time of year it is without a jacket in my car. I learned my lesson that night and I, I, religiously have a jacket in the back seat of my car. I don't care if it's June. It does not matter. So, you know, I, I learned my lesson the hard way and uh and I'm prepared for it now. Uh but I do wear the Under Armour stuff, Todd. I'll 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 you know, back when I covered high school football, I started wearing that stuff and it really works. You need to get in on that game for sure. And I will say this about Scraven. I do think that calling that uh that that building a tower is very generous. That's that's very it's very generous to call that thing a tower because it's not. The last time I was there, there was about a a football that's not basketball size, but like a football size hole in the window on the right hand side, like towards turn one. And man, the wind was whipping through that thing. I was like, holy! I think. I, Oh, it's like I was looking for plastic duct tape. I was looking for anything to cover that hole. I was ready to do some maintenance on that shack, you know, because it it was cold up in there. But yeah, it's it's aptly named the Winter Freeze. I don't think you know the Ice Bowl. You you should know when you go to an event like the Ice Bowl what you're getting into. When you go to an event called the Winter Freeze, be prepared. You should know what you're getting into. It's cold down there, so. Anyway, you should when they name these events, these kind of things, you be ready. That's all I got to say. Yeah, they're they're hinting at what you can expect. One thing I will say, this uh, is always also as a tip uh, for cold weather. If you're going to cold weather events, just have gloves. I uh, I forgot mine this past weekend. As soon as uh, Kevin and I got to the the track on on Friday there and got out, and I walked out and felt the wind hitting my hands. I'm like, I'm gonna need gloves, and I had to go uh, to multiple souvenir stands. I think it was probably like the eighth or ninth one. I don't even remember which one it is now before I found someone who was selling gloves um, that, you know, got me through the weekend. So anyway, Under Armour, always have a jacket and uh, and, and pack gloves when you know you're going to be going for, for cold weather. So uh, anyway, we'll uh, that's also uh, some some very interesting stories. Um, I'm sure uh, the listeners have their own experiences. Um, you know, it's just part of it. If you're going to you know go to the race, be a race fan, be part of it. Sometimes you got to go in the cold. Um but this weekend we got two big big events coming up. Uh, of course, the um, out in Las Vegas, the dirt track there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway is twenty five thousand to win on Friday and fifty thousand to win on Saturday. Part of the uh, XR um, series deal there. Um, with and this kind of we'll talk about some storylines, but the storyline out there with it being that the drivers who ran Bristol, Texas, and there are doubling their money in Saturday's finale. Um, the big storyline there is the fact that Brandon Overton could, depending on how he does on Friday, if he wins Saturday, make it a hundred grand to win because um, he'll double his money. He could go over the million dollar mark. So that's a big storyline out there that I, I'm sure most folks will be watching. And then of course the storyline I, I think at Sonoya that kind of stands out is Ashton Winger is perfect, a perfect five for five there 
and is the, the question is, can anyone beat him at Sonoya, where Sonoya Raceway in Georgia, where the uh, Peach State Classic will pay 10000 to win on Friday night and 52000 to win on Saturday. Uh, any other storylines from the weekend, those two events, or maybe one from each, uh, I figured I'd go to, to you guys and each kind of share a storyline there. Yeah, so Kevin, anything in particular uh, jump out to you? Yeah, down at Sonoa, that's, uh, you know, obviously Winger is the big guy there, but there's plenty of other guys uh, that, you know, I, I picked Chris Madden to win. I mean, I think Chris Madden is, is uh, due for a victory. He hasn't won in uh, since May, actually, believe it or not. That's a that's a heck of a, a, a you know, a, a victory drought for a for Madden. So um, I have a, I just have this feeling that he's going to get one. Uh, and then Tyler Herb's another guy that uh, is, I know is going down there. And I think that he's going to be pretty tough. Uh, he could be a, 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 a challenge, a contender for a win there. I think that he might, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a win. And then down in Las Vegas, uh, one of, one of the things that I, I look at, it's like the, the, the feature race, the $50,000 to win race is only 40 laps. That's really a short race for a, for a, a race of that much paying that much money. And, and so does maybe that factors in. I know like the Texas race even was supposed to be 40 laps and ended up being, I think it was 30, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, the, the wear and tear on the racetrack and stuff. So the, the tires were a, an issue. So uh, could it, it, it's basically a little sprint for 50 grand. And, uh, and I said, you know, Brandon Overton and Jonathan Davenport, Tim McCready, those are guys that you really uh, the longer the race, the better they are. And that's why they win those big money races or are always up front. And well, maybe this plays into the hands of some of the other guys that, that might be there. You know, um, I mean, I know uh, like a, like a Bobby Pierce, a Stormy Scott and Johnny Scott are going to be out there. Chris Ferguson, maybe they'll be better in the shorter distance. I don't know that I'm just going to uh, that. I think that could be a, a thing to watch out there. Just that distance of a big, a big money event. Uh, who is going to be who is it going to help? Uh, or who will it hurt? Yeah, yeah, the lap count there definitely throws a, a curveball to, to mix things up for sure. Robert, what about you? What do you have a storyline that you'll be uh, watching this weekend? Uh, well, you know, one thing that uh, that I'll be looking at, you know, while the stars, you know, kind of are, are you think that the stars of our sport are going to Las Vegas, that race, uh, you know, at Sonoa is, is, is going to be packed with, star power as well you know jimmy owens tyler herb um you know dennis herb jr ashton winger i assume clanton will be there kyle bronson k dillard mark whitener you know that's that's a a good group of because i guess we've talked about how sonoa has a really good chance of of um an outsider or a regional guy like you know an austin horton or somebody like that to come in and pick up a win and have a career payday well for that to happen, whoever does it, it's still going to have to outrun some pretty darn good uh, race car drivers. You know, I think it's going to be tough uh, for, for you know, I may be proven completely wrong, but I think it's going to be really tough for a regional guy to out, you know, you think a regional guy can get up front and outrun a couple of these guys, but he's going to have to outrun probably a dozen, you know, of, of outstanding uh, national race car drivers. You know, so uh, that's that's one thing, you know, I kind of have my eye on as far as uh, Sonoa goes is if a regional guy is able to to overcome and and maybe and, and maybe sneak in there and get a win against some of these these stars that are going to be down at Sonoa this weekend. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, Vegas may be getting some most of the, or a good bit of the big names, the star power, but uh, uh, Sonoa definitely is shaping up to have a a good field with still some of the the big names going there, but also a deeper field. I would imagine uh, should be a good one to watch. Both of them be good to watch and kind of uh, you know unusual here to have two two big events this time last year. We weren't we weren't talking about uh, as things were winding down, but we get just two another weekend of two huge uh, race uh, weekends. Uh, we lost Todd has some some audio issues there, so we're going to go ahead and move ahead to uh, our final uh, segment of the week here, our one more thing, which we do every week. Uh, not a whole lot, perhaps, to talk about as far as results from the past week, or, or maybe there is something that stood out to you, but um, you guys, if there's a news item or, or a result or something you may be looking forward to coming up, looking things, uh, looking forward to, something just has your attention, uh, anything jump out to you, I will go to Kevin first. What do you got for one more thing? Well, on Sunday uh, after the World Finals, that's normally the day that the World of Outlaws – has their banquet awards banquet at the turning and not the turning stone, excuse me, uh, the Great Wolf Lodge over there at uh, uh, in, in Concord. Uh, it's a big thing, you know, sprint cars, late miles all together. They didn't have one last year because of COVID. All the drivers just went to the hall, went to the uh, World Racing Group office and picked up their checks, took some pictures and made some videos and stuff. So I don't know if they they enjoyed that more or something because there wasn't a bigger uh, wasn't a big uh, awards banquet back again this year. They just had more of a laid back affair in the in the afternoon on Sunday uh, at the Cabarrus uh, Brew Company uh, beer company and uh, this. Uh, not, not a not a big deal. I mean, it wasn't you know wasn't as elaborate as a normal one, but they took pictures. They had some speeches and stuff. And and one of the main one of the awards that stuck out the most to me was the mechanic of the year went to Heather Lynn, Dennis Herb Jr.'s crew chief, uh, being the first female uh, uh, crew chief of the year in, in World of Outlaws history, and I think very well deserving. I mean, there's no one that works harder or is more in tune with what's going on than Heather. Uh, when she's out there on the road, I mean, she has a full-time job uh, as, a, as an engineer, you know, so she's like, uh, she uses all her vacation basically to go out there on the road and, and uh, work on Dennis's car all over the country. So uh, very deserving of her. She's been with him for a long time now. And, uh, you know, shout out to, shout out to Heather for, uh, for having taken the home, that big golden wrench that they, uh, or silver wrench, whatever it is, you know, it's a big wrench that she gets to display in her house now. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool seeing that award go to her. Um, congrats to her. Congrats to all the award winners uh, there at the uh, uh, World Final. Uh, sorry, it's, uh, World of Outlaws, not banquet, but banquet brunch, whatever, whatever we're going to call it this year. Um, I'll go ahead and jump in and, and do my one more thing, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, those who were at Charlotte um, or watching online on Dirt Vision saw the way they determined the winner of the uh, Slick Woody's Cornhole. Quick Time Award, which is the, it was three thousand dollar award, and it was for the um, the driver with the most Quick Time Awards throughout the season, and it was actually a tie between uh, Brandon Shepard and Chris Madden, and with it being sponsored by Slick Woody's Cornhole Boards, uh, they de- decided to break the tie by having a little cornhole tournament right there in front in front of the grandstands um, during uh, a break in the action on Saturday, where uh, each driver, Shepard and and Madden, got to throw a, a four bean bags. If you're familiar with corn, cornhole, you know how it works. And the winner uh, would get of that, whoever got the most points uh, would won the, uh, the, uh, the, the $3,000. And it, it, Brandon Shepard said it beforehand that he thought Madden had the edge uh, on him would be a little better. And it was pretty, pretty clear when they started tossing their bags who uh, had the more cornhole experience. And of course, Madden won pretty handily and got the $3,000. So anyway, it was just pretty cool. Um, uh, you know, marketing sponsorship deal. They were able to work that in there and also kind of fun to watch something, something unique 
there. Uh, Robert, what about you? What do you have for one more thing? Since we lost Todd, I'm going to take the liberty of, of saying two more things. Uh, since, you know, I'm sure that Todd probably would have mentioned one of these things anyway, so I'm just going to mention it for him. First of all, uh, this past weekend, my brother and I decided to go to 411 uh, Speedway there in Seymour, Tennessee and race. Uh, it was a day race, and I was looking at the schedule and thought, hey, you know, there's an outside chance if we get done here, we may make it somewhere else. And so, uh, as it turned out, we did. We got done there at, at 411 around 330. And we left there and drove two and a half hours south and raced and got there in time to actually qualify at North Georgia Saturday night. So we ran two nights, uh, two races in one day. I honestly wish we hadn't. Uh, we were decent at, decent at 411, and we were absolute junk uh, at, at North Georgia. Um, thought we could run the same tires, got disqualified from qualifying. Not that it made a big difference. Uh, because we had the wrong tire on the right rear. But anyway, we pulled the daily double, and it's, it's, the it's the first time we've done that and actually competed in two shows. We've gone to two tracks in the same day, but one of them was just because of a rain out, and we qualified one day and blah, 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 went to another track after the first one got rained out. But this was the first time we've actually gone to two tracks, competed uh, in the same day. And um, it was a long day for an old guy, but uh, anyways, I'm sure Todd, that's probably what Todd was going to mention. Uh, so. I will uh, I'll move on to what I had planned to mention originally was uh, um, let's not in this big weekend of two fifty thousand win races let's not overlook you know the comp cams is wrapping up their series uh, down there in Greenville uh, with uh, with the fifteenth annual Gumbo Nationals uh, the Fridays is a rainout I think so Friday's uh, lineup is already set but then Saturday they'll come back and run a completely complete different show and and that series still has uh to decide as champion it's it's still up in there you know bj robinson is leading those points and then logan martin is there within striking distance and i think kyle beard and brian rickman are close so uh while everybody's kind of looking at these big races let's not let's not overlook this uh a big regional weekend for the comp cam series who will be down there at uh at greenville uh to wrap up their season i think that's uh, it's very important for those guys down there Robert's doing the uh, daily double on racing and the uh, two for one on one more thing. So uh, doubling up every chance you get. You should go to Vegas and double up out there is what you, you should do, Robert. <laughs> anyway, I believe that's uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Appreciate everyone listening and I uh, hope you have a great week. We'll be back to do it all again next week. Bye.